0: I'm Gurvier Brom here with Jamal Karsandu and we are screen off script this week. We're going to be giving our preview of TIFF, our full review of Bottoms, and reflecting on all the major movie and TV news of the week.
1: I can't believe they're letting you guys start a fight club. You can beat the shit out of each other while you perform the vagina monologues.
0: Let's do this! Punching each other makes girls weirdly horny. You can be our club advisor. You don't even come to the dang Club. No.
1: That's my favorite way to be an ally. You say, I support women. You don't. Don't come. Yeah. My mom did say I need to pick up a hobby. All
0: right, Jomit. So. Yes. It's the most wonderful. <laughs> no, no, um, uh, It's cool. It's good. We're about to walk into TIFF season. I think this yeah. is one of our, you know, at the end of the day, this is a relatively new show. Mm. Relatively new endeavor in general for SOS. We're, yeah. we're going into TIFF. Yeah. Right. One of. Uh, I'd say one of the most prominent movie festivals in the entire world.
1: And uh, we get to do it from our own, our hometown. This is great. I don't know if we got lucky, but somehow we kind of got in the door last year at mm. TIFF and we weren't sure if we were going to get invited back. But hey- we're in they invite us back we have a much bigger audience to bring to the table this year we, yeah. we also are much aware of how the schedule works how the festival actually operates and i feel so much more excited about going into tiff this year versus last year just because we have that knowledge and that experience under our belt yeah and i'm just so excited because like you said uh, you know i feel like toronto now is up there with like london and venice and can and a few of the other major film festivals sundance is right up there for me
0: yeah yeah i think i think so like at the end of the day like we saw last year the power of tiff really like we we saw like there's number one some of the biggest movies that are going to come out for the entire year are going to be out this season at this festival and on top of that we get so much access for directors and actors and so much uh so many influential people in the film industry that we get to hear from and hopefully get to interview uh next week as well so Mm. look forward to our coverage i think it's gonna be an awesome time before we even get into that though just because we are walking in to tiff as of the this episode dropping like we're 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 gonna be there yeah uh if you're listening to this we're gonna be there so uh first i wanted just to get kind of get an idea of like what you're excited about like Mm. generally obviously we can talk about like what this like it's just fun to kind of be at a movie festival a film festival you get to just hang out we're just like at the end of the day, we're just buddies. We get to watch movies all day, we yeah. get to watch the best movies of the year around a bunch of film fans.
1: Yeah, that's my favorite thing. Yeah, it's nothing but the most hardcore film fans, it's cinephiles, it's people that actually work day-to-day in the industry that are coming together. It is a celebration of movies. That's what these festivals are all about. And even if you're not somebody who works in the industry,
0: you're such a big film fan that you went out of your way to buy these tickets to be there around the aura of
1: all this stuff and to get early access to all these films. Yeah, it's, it's a, also just a great time of year in terms of the weather. Being downtown in Toronto, it's like almost like the the best way to end the summer. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like you said, I think the thing I'm looking forward to most is literally just watching like two, three, sometimes four movies back-to-back yeah. throughout the course of a day. I can't think of anything better to do it's my favorite thing in the world to do is watching movies and we have some big big movies that are either getting their world premiere their north american premiere mm-hmm. um some movies that are not going to be coming out in the theater for a good minute yeah and, and that's got a wild thing to be able to watch a movie that isn't going to be coming out for months yeah and to have that knowledge to have that experience and kind of almost get the general feel not just from yourself but from the audience in terms of how they receive these movies because every single screening we go to it's packed yes it is packed to the ro- no, a seat available
0: and it's it's packed to the gills of people who just are people who are excited about the same thing you're excited about mm. like that's my favorite thing in the world like I don't care if I'm going to watch UFC if you're going to watch basketball or whatever you want to be around a bunch of people who kind of share the same enthusiasm that you do and we're we're enthusiastic fans at the end of the day right. you know what I mean like we're ready to like I, I, when I'm sitting at a movie and I know I'm going to tiff I'm like, all right, cool, show me the best thing ever because I know I'm about to get it. And uh, it's great how often it actually does satisfy that thing. It's a really great thing to do. I really want to get into what movies you're really excited about this mm. year like i don't know if we want to do like a top three or whatever you got
1: but give me a few uh, how about you give me one that you're really excited about i think if i had to say the number one movie i'm most looking forward to i would say it's next goal wins mm. so it's directed by taika waititi and it's going to be starring michael fassbender uh, elizabeth moss and oscar knightley and it's getting its world premiere active and there's a few reasons why i'm really excited about this number one i'm a massive fan of michael fassbender i just think he's like one of the the best actors of a generation Mm -hmm. I think that Taika Waititi at his best is also one of his the best filmmakers of his generation he has been working and living in the MCU world for quite a while now and so for him to now go back to something that I would imagine is a personal project it almost has an indie feel film to it a vibe to it it's weird too because like it
0: almost feels like you know what's going to happen in that movie and like in theory we do know what's going to happen in that movie because it's based
1: on something that actually happened right but it's the execution that I'm so curious about. Yeah, me too. And I feel like this is a big moment for Taika to say, listen, yes, I can deliver the goods in the comic book world in the MCU, but I'm going to be here way beyond my run in the MCU. Yeah. And this is uh, I feel like this is almost going to be his kind of showcase to say, look, this is what I'm capable of and this is what I'm really going to be able to, you know, I guess stamp my resume and reputation on in 10, 15, 20 years it's going to be movies like this that's my general feel going into it and that's why it's my number one movie yeah. that I'm most looking forward to I think that's awesome I'm I'm not going to lie I am enthusiastic
0: about it mm. but at the end of the day it is a sports movie and that isn't like something that really butters, right. butters my bread you but know you're I mean? such a big Taika fan exactly. I'm going to be so
1: curious to see what you think of the movie after yeah, the fact yeah
0: exactly so I'm really curious to see, and that's kind of the fun of all of this mm. like even on another end my most anticipated movie is it's the biggest because it's like straight up a legend like Hayao Miyazaki is this legendary Japanese filmmaker and he's made some of the greatest films of all time like Spirited Away and I I just rewatched Kiki's Delivery Service and uh, with my niece and it's like I love these movies I I always see the kind of view them as like the eastern equivalent of like Disney right but Mm. you know you grow up with Disney and you've seen Lion King so many times and this and that and it's like I know that's, like, the normal thing for parents to be able to do, but, like, there's this whole other catalog that's just as incredible. Mm -hmm. And, uh, yeah, so this year we get The Boy and the Hero, and supposedly Miyazaki's last film. Mm. Again, the legendary career as far as just filmmakers globally. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, we get, like, so, we have so little information on this movie, but I'm so curious to see what he actually comes up with because... I'm sure it's going to be weird. I'm sure it's going to be like just a little off kilter, but I'm sure I'm going to end up crying at the end of it. So I'm very excited.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I I would say outside of that, like there's a whole bunch of other movies, uh, Dumb Money, Dicks the Musical. Yeah. Uh, One that is like maybe not I guess up there on the list but I'm just curious to see what it's about is Sly it's a Sylvester Stallone mm. documentary so we are going to get some documentary vibes out of this festival as well and yeah. for me just as a, as a guy that kind of grew up in the 80s idolizing guys like Sly and Stallone and their action movies we had an incredible Arnie documentary that premiered on Netflix this year and lo and behold Sly has a documentary also premiering this year Yeah. Um, it feels like we're going to get some time to speak to him as well I feel like he's going to be in attendance um, that'll be cool if he is but yeah for me just as a you know a hardcore AE action fan it's gonna be pretty cool to see what the slide documentary is gonna be about yeah there's a lot of
0: great movies honestly even like the Mr. Dress Up documentary like I grew up in Mr. Dress Up I'm sure that's not popular in the UK but I feel like it was like pretty seminal uh piece of my childhood Mm. uh, on screen there and then uh we also have Concrete Utopia and again the the other part about TIFF is that it is the international part and you get to see all these films from all around the world and Last year, I saw some of the best Korean films I've ever seen mm. at TIFF. And I'm so excited to see what we end up, like, kind of kind of finding out. Because there are, like, there's a big spectrum. Like, I remember we saw some really wild stuff that, like, usually isn't my cup of tea yeah. for uh, international movies. But, like, then we saw stuff like Return to Seoul. And that was, like, one of the best, uh, again, international films I saw for the entire year. Mm-hmm. I ended up in my uh, top ten, I believe. And, yeah, just incredible stuff. But very excited for TIFF. I think that's going to be a, yeah, a great couple of weeks. And yeah. uh, I'm excited to see what
1: kind of content we end up uh, coming out of there with yeah and um no, stick around because i think the next couple of weeks we're going to give a few reviews just uh giving you a taste of our experience yeah. what moves we liked what we enjoyed and obviously we're going to be reviewing every movie that we watch as well from here week to week as we're going to be
0: at tiff we'll definitely be giving a bunch of updates along the way yeah well yeah let's get into our regular segment for the week let's get into the news for this week
1: hi barbie 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 oh hi
0: alan Chumma, the first thing I kind of want to just kind of recap because it's official this week. Barbie is the highest grossing movie of 2023. Also, Oppenheimer coming in at number three Mm. so far for the entire year. It's a bit of a discrepancy as far as two and three. So I imagine... The top three, like this, is uh, unless something massive comes along the way, this feels like it might just be like these are the biggest winners of the year so
1: far. Yeah, I have some thoughts. Number one, I'm just very happy for the success of Barbie. It's one of our favorite movies of the year, and just to see it break through the IP breakthrough, like the way it has. Obviously, it got incredible marketing support, but it has paid off for Warner Brothers. So, yeah. a kudos to everybody involved with that movie. I now, think uh, even before we even do that, like.
0: W- we got to talk about how much of a marketing effort Barbie Hammer was oh, and huge. what a massive
1: success that was. Yeah. And that is going to be studied for years and years and years. Yeah. And I was about to jump off on that because yeah. I feel like Oppenheim, think about this, right? It's a biopic set in the early 20th century about the, the first nuclear bomb. Yeah a lot of it is in black and white yeah it's getting close to hitting a billion dollars for christopher nolan mm-hmm. like that is just a huge success story for cinema period i think uh a, a part of me like wonders like would
0: it have that same success without barbie hammer like would it even have the same kind of coolness factor that it had because barbie low-key really did have like this moment in the summer yeah where it took over yeah everything was barbie the songs were Barbie. everything took over uh, completely right And uh, even just quickly naming off some of their Barbie's achievements, Highest Grossing Movie 2023, Highest Grossing Movie Ever Directed by a Woman, Margot Robbie and Ryan Gosling's Biggest Films, Warner Brothers' Biggest, uh, Highest Grossing Movie Ever, and it's the number 15 highest grossing
1: movie of all time. And it's still not ending its run yet. Like, this is crazy. Like, this is
0: numbers, like we never would have expected and it's gonna be fun to like kind of look at how people kind of treat Barbie now but let's remember a few months ago nobody was feeling this way yeah nobody was expecting this to be such a
1: smashing success that it ended up being and to your point I think the marketing effort of Barbenheimer helped both movies yeah I don't think Barbie makes as much movie uh, money as it does without the marketing effort and I don't think Oppenheimer does either because I feel like what's happened here is if you watch Barbie you're almost inclined to watch Oppenheimer and mm-hmm. vice versa it was like a, the, the ultimate double feature that yeah. the marketing campaign was geared to it really was it actually changed I, I feel like it kind of uh updated what whatever the idea of a
0: double feature is yeah this is like the new version of it yes because it didn't necessarily make it a thing you have to watch them together it just made sure that you have to watch them so you can compare yeah if you want to be culturally relevant if you,
1: you want to have a conversation that everybody else is having those two movies are almost like necessary to watch i guarantee you there are marketing executives at all the studios right now figuring out if they can do something like this again and yes. repeat the magic.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I bet it's going to be a lot of... Uh, it's, it's going to be a lot of two... like ma- Because at the end of the day, there is such a surplus of these blockbusters that came out this year that didn't do well. Mm. So I imagine there's going to be a lot of people that are going to be more comfortable with taking a number two position if they think in the long run this is going to be a win for them. Right. right? And uh, also, uh, this is the first time, again, Barbie, Super Mario, and uh, Oppenheimer being the top three highest-grossing movies... It's also the first time that that hasn't been a sequel or franchise movie
1: since 2001. That's crazy. Crazy. Or a comic time. book movie or a yeah. Star Wars movie or a Harry Potter movie. The yeah. last
0: time that happened, it was literally Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone. Mm. It was Lord of the Rings, Fellowship of the Ring and Monsters, Inc. in 2001. And obviously all of those ended up becoming franchises. Yeah. How do you see this kind of playing out? I see Barbie maybe do a franchise, but Super Mario for sure. I would be shocked I will be, if we don't get a Barbie sequel. I'll be shocked
1: if we don't get an Oppenheimer 2. <laughs> just him retiring. Yeah. I feel like it's cool to see someone like Nolan just flex and do the kind of projects he wants to do. And he is the filmmaker of his generation because he makes critically incredible movies. They do commercially well at the box office. He literally is given a blank check at this moment in time by any studio he wants to work with. us. like, go make whatever you want, come back to us with the movie and then we'll get it released and get it out there. Yeah. He makes up his own rules. If you want to be an IMAX 70 mil, he'll get all the screening he wants. Yeah. And at the, at the flip side, like I said, Barbie, like, you know, having a female director, that's just, that's just a great story. I right, think for Greta Gerwig is going to have that
0: same kind of cachet yeah. where she's going to be able to ask the studios for whatever they want. You want Barbie?
1: Let me direct these five movies. <laughs> i go, whatever. Check this, check yeah. this. What if... Heading into award season, it's Barbie versus Oppenheimer. Imagine like they get the vast bulk of uh, nominations for you know actors, directors, screenwriters, all this kind of stuff, and we are almost revisiting that marketing campaign but heading into the Oscars. I think that's going to happen for sure, mm.
0: but I think uh, it's going to be funny because like you know they're going to do all of that, and then like the things gonna, that's going to win is like Killers of the Flower or <laughs> right? Like that, you know I mean? that could happen. We don't know. Like, yeah. The, the the interesting thing is like we get very excited about movies all year round. But now is the time of the year when, you know, all the Oscar nominated movies usually come out. Award season movies, so yeah. So we're about to, like, run into award season and have, like, this really great time watching all these bangers. It's going to be funny to see kind of when we leave TIFF. Yeah. When we walk out of that experience thinking... Okay, cool. Do we still think Oppenheimer is going to walk out with all those awards? Right. Do we still think Barbie still has a shot at a bunch of these awards? Yeah. Like, I'm curious to kind
1: of where that is. Isn't this great though? It's like normally we are waiting for this time, moment of the year, but we're already heading into the back end of 2023 yeah. knowing, yo- Barbie, Oppenheimer, one or two others have already checked off a few boxes for us. It's, a, it's again, just again, another strong year for cinema. Yes. It really is. We thought 2022 was strong. 2023 has delivered the goods already. Yeah, I have so many other thoughts about Barbie that I'm going to tie in with Bottoms, by the way. But Because like I
0: feel like as a year, it says a lot of things. Mm. But uh, next story I kind of want to get into. It's kind of interesting because it is a little bit related. Craig Mazin uh, says that he and Ted Elliott wrote a script for the new Pirates of the Caribbean movie. He wrote a fantastic script, and the strike happened, and everyone's waiting around. Obviously, that's the story for everybody. Sure. The other thing that was kind of rumored before any of this information really got released was that this was going to be a franchise that was led by Margot Robbie in par- in, uh, in Pirates. Yeah. Right? So, do you see... I-, I feel like now, like Margot's kind of proven herself as like this independent box office success at a different level now because of Barbie. Right. Is this a situation where, you know, maybe it doesn't make sense to have her in pirates maybe she should be doing more franchises Mm. or is this a situation where all right cool like let's see what else happens. like obviously like you know the strike's gonna interrupt a lot of it we don't know there's gonna be a lot of what ifs yeah but do you see somebody like margot robbie still sticking around with something like that
1: i think do you want that that's that's probably a better question yeah i don't know if that's if i'm being honest with you because i feel like she is capable of pretty much anything look at her performance in babylon and look at her performance in barbie yeah she is so flexible with her acting ability it's yeah. a- actually incredible you know i was watching the amber heard johnny depp uh, netflix documentary and you know why i watched it when the whole amber heard uh, depp trial was going on i did not pay attention to social media yeah. I'm like, this is not for me and i said to myself i was like you know what i'll just watch the netflix documentary when it comes out and lo and behold it dropped mm-hmm. and i was just kind of like watching it in the background i didn't and it, even know there was a documentary yeah even. it's like <laughs> the number one hit for netflix this month it's kind of crazy people are so interested in that story yeah and Looking at the documentary and now looking back at what actually went down during the trial, Johnny Depp came out of that situation very, very good. And I know that Pirates is something that he's been tied to returning to in terms of a franchise. It's interesting if Margot Robbie would take the baton of an existing franchise yeah. versus saying, you know what? I can do a Barbie too, yeah. and that's I own that from the jump. It is a bit of a rehat, like a, a reboot,
0: reset for yeah. for a new franchise, though, with pirates, right? Because like we don't know if it's going to be a continuation of the story they've been telling. Mm. If it is Johnny Depp, obviously it would be, but with Margot, I can imagine them just completely resetting. Because yeah, we've talked about this before. Just like that era does not get discussed, and we even talked about last week how there was a rumor of a not a similar movie, but in terms of. Uh, that era. Martin Scorsese, Leonardo DiCaprio were talking about like kind of a similar kind of mutiny kind of movie. So mm-hmm. we don't know. There's a lot of stuff that could be being made and you never know if
1: because this movie is being made, this movie is no longer being made. Whatever that could be. The bottom line is Margot Robbie can do anything she wants to do. She is literally yeah. going to be getting offers for everything and she can take the pick of the litter.
0: Yeah, yeah. I, I, I still do hope just because when you have this kind of leverage that she has right now, mm. she could be making anything she wants. Mm-hmm. I really hope that she takes more of the Meryl Streep route, which I feel like low-key she is on, like in terms of like just banger after banger after banger. I hope she goes down that critical route as mm-hmm. opposed to chasing like the, on the complete opposite end of the spectrum, the, the rock route.
1: Yeah, I think this is going to be one of those things we discuss when it comes to career management. Mm-hmm. And typically, here's how I think it's going to play out. Yeah, I think she's going to do... Um, a balance of the both. I think she'll check the box for the studio in terms of the big franchise movie just so that she can still be a viable box office star. Yeah, And at the same time, she'll also be able to balance that with you know, projects like Babylon you know, that will get her the critical acclaim. I kind of hope she doesn't do the balance. You know why? Because
0: Leonardo DiCaprio doesn't have to do the balance right. and Brad Pitt doesn't have to do the balance. Sure. And like there have to be strong female or just strong actresses that have the ability to do that exact same thing and say no no no, no. i'm the one that's in charge i'm the one that's making these choices i'm yeah. gonna work with the best directors in the world yeah. telling original stories telling whatever we want yeah. if they want to do a franchise that's cool yeah but i just hope that it comes from a place of like creating the best film as possible sure. as opposed to thinking like that that whole old school hollywood
1: mentality of like one for you one for me but why can't she do both why can't movies like barbie be both critically and commercially successful at the box office and i think she's got the ability to do that
0: i think the difference is that just like i was saying before nobody expected barbie to be that mm. you know what i mean like it ended up being that yeah but if even if even if barbie didn't make a billion dollars yeah i still would love barbie yeah and i think a lot of people would still love barbie and yeah. like I don't think they were chasing that in any way. It ended up being a cultural moment. Yeah, that's what I think is a, a massive success. True. I don't think if she like went and did like you know a movie with Scorsese and then does a movie with Tarantino again and then also now she's going to start doing MCU movies. Mm. That MCU part would like distract me a little bit because really? like in my head I would be thinking like all right cool well like now she's got to go back and do this and like I, I would st- like I don't know I just think like there's a different funk that kind of g- gets associated with you when you start doing.
1: A certain kind of movie. I don't know. I feel like if she did Pirates 5, I would be excited because I'm like, yo, what can Margo bring to the table for this franchise right now? I would, I'll go into that with enthusiasm. I think the
0: difference with Margot in Pirates is like she is, could like literally set on new water, you know what mm-hmm. I mean? Or explore new land. Like yeah. In theory, right? Like it would be like, she be wouldn't be rehashing the pirates that we know she'd be doing her own thing yeah and not that much I respect that's why that's why i get yeah. enthusiastic about it that's even what I'm saying like, like she is technically going to be in like part of like Ocean like that's a franchise technically sure. but she's doing a whole different version of that that I respect I think that's cool mm. and even though those are parts of franchises yeah the swing has to be like dramatic mm-hmm. for me. Like, I just think that's, that's just the right move. Yeah. Especially with her. Like it's such a different case with so many different actresses. It's just yeah. like, there are so few actresses that have like historically proven that they can be like consistent box office draws, but also be like the, on the same way, be so critically, uh, associated with so many top tier directors, yeah, I would love to
1: her for her to continue in that route. She's going to be one of the most interesting stories to do discuss and review and talk about for the next decade. I think. Yeah, I agree. I completely agree. Uh, more than that, maybe. Mm. I think she's going to have a really
0: long run. <laughs> she's already in early thirties. Yeah. All right. Next story I got is personal, straight up, just for me. I'm assuming you have never seen Scott Pilgrim versus the World. No. Oh. All right. Why does everything have to be so complicated?
1: If you want something bad, you have to fight for it. Step up your game, Scott. Break out the L word, lesbian. The other L word, lesbians. It's love, Scott. I wasn't trying to trick you.
0: So it's this tr- like hey, really great movie. Michael Cera's in it. Like we're about to talk about Bottoms. My comparison for it's in that kind of territory, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. right? In terms of comedy as well. Mm. The goal, there's like this. so previously had they had, uh, they had the movie for Scott Pilgrim. Everybody wanted it to be a franchise. It just didn't work out financially, right? It just didn't end up making that money, but it became like a cult classic. Mm-hmm. So now they're releasing this anime, right? Because oh, okay. it's based on these graphic novels. Mm-hmm. The creators mentioned that uh, the goal of Scott Pilgrim as an anime is to make something that if you don't love the books or the movie, that would be really surprising, and you'd realize that this is the ideal version of what we could do. Mm-hmm. I feel like that world is just tremendous. I'm not sure if you're going to be interested in like a Netflix anime or anything like that, but I'm so, I just wanted to like stamp it that like if you're going to get excited about something in the fall, this is something to get really excited about. Nice, nice, nice. Uh, next story I got, I think is a little bit more in the middle of us. Uh, Succession creator Jesse Armstrong. He says that the Logan Roy underlined Kendall's name. He says it wasn't crossed out. If you were crossing something out, you wouldn't start below. Right. So it kind of just shows just kind of like you know, in terms of the, the soprano of it all and yeah. like that finale, like I think when you think of succession, there is that contention, like did he underline it? Did he blah, blah, blah? Sure. And now we kind of have a little bit more of a resolution. Sure. Like it, he said it straight up, like Kendall was
1: going to be the one, the successor. I'm kind of disappointed he even said that because it's it's <laughs> nice to have the open-ended discussion. It's like everyone talks about, you You brought it up, the Sopranos ending. Did they die? Was it a dream? Was it this? Was it like what happened? Did they survive? Yeah. But cool, whatever. Look, like, At the end of the day, it's like, Succession is one of those rare things in television. It is such an airtight show. Like, you finish the show, like, you know what? I had the best time over those four seasons. Yeah, I really did. I also
0: think, like, this doesn't take away from the ending in any way, right? Mm. Because, like, it almost makes it more tragic. Because when you do watch Kendall at the end of that, just looking so distraught. Yeah. He, in his heart of hearts, probably believes no... My dad wanted me to take over. Right, yeah. And now we know that's true. So it's even sadder that his
1: entire family just said no. Nah, Succession not you. Succession is going to be one of those shows where when I do end up rewatching it, like I watch I watched uh, Sopranos like three times from beginning to end. I feel like Succession is one of those shows I will rewatch at some point down the road, and it's going to be interesting with that context now yeah, to kind of go through that journey with absolutely,
0: Logan. Absolutely, right? Cuz when yeah, when you think about with Logan and what he did like very close to the end and mm. the fallout that he had with his son, like it's interesting that he still wanted to choose kendall yeah um and also on my dating profile it literally says kendall roy did nothing wrong <laughs> <laughs> so like I, I still use that as a point of conversation i respect um, it um all right so next one i got two more and uh, they're both in the same universe the bat verse if you will mm-hmm. um first joker 2 was confirmed as a musical he uh one of the the uh contributors said that all i can say is there's going to be a lot of music that's all i can give away right obviously we kind of already knew that it was leading to this sure. but Uh, Again, when we talk about swings, like I'm so curious to see what this is. This could be a complete terrible idea, but it could be amazing.
1: Yeah. And even looking back, Joker was such a massive hit, both critically and commercially. Obviously, sequel. Yeah. What we're going to get completely different potentially from the first movie right like again he said it's a musical yeah so it's gonna be a different experience altogether and i wonder if people that are behind you know movies like barbie are gonna be looking at what they do with the joker sequel very true because it's almost a very good case by case uh, sorry side by side comparison of two movies that didn't have a franchise plan and didn't really
0: i think people assumed it was going to be successful because it's joker and because it's barbie but like really people didn't expect them to be the successes that they were. Mm. Like. That's the biggest thing to also remember is like there is context for success, but this is like astronomical success. Yeah. The highest, a highest-grossing movie of 2023, and the uh, highest-rated R-rated movie, highest-rated yeah. R-rated movie of all time. Joaquin got an Oscar for it. Yeah, like, like come on, <sighs> huge. Yeah, yeah, you can't get you can't beat that. And uh again, in that same universe, Batman Part Two will supposedly film in uh, March 2024. Obviously strike. We have no idea how this stuff's going to work out. Right. But I think the biggest thing is, uh, a biggest piece of information that kind of came out was that Clayface will be involved as as a villain. Okay. So, uh, they've already revealed a little bit of information. I'm very curious to see how that is. I'm not super familiar with Batman as a comic. Right. So, Clayface is like... You might as well say gobble gook for me because I have no idea who that is.
1: Neither do I, but yeah. I just love that's not one of the typical... Uh, yeah, yeah, villains yeah that's, that true, already, that's true. We've seen so many versions of the the top four or five Batman villains yeah. over the course of animated series and TV shows and movies. Yeah, yeah. that I like the fact that this franchise is taking a bit of a different route. I like how...
0: I like I just like it when a new franchise just treads in new territory. Yeah. Like, just try something new, especially with a, uh, a franchise like Batman. Yeah. We're so familiar with this dude. We've seen everything. We didn't even have to do an
1: origin story... For the next 50 years. Yeah. Plus, we're getting the Penguin TV show on yeah. HBO before the sequel comes out. That's going be a nice little, you know, I guess, appetizer before the sequel. Absolutely. That's going to be
0: a great... Like at, at the end of the day, people are very excited about this new Batman because yeah. of how much cash it gained from the first one. Yeah. But uh, now we get Penguin to hold us over until we get that second one. Right. Especially with the strike. It's probably like, thank a God yeah yeah, yeah. But yeah, that's all the news for this week. Joma, you watched The Equalizer. So... Yes. their Equalizer 3... I have seen none of them. Mm-hmm. Obviously, this is Denzel's late franchise that he's really been a part of for the past couple of years. Sure. Yeah, Antoine Fuqua is the director. And uh, yeah, so I wanted to get your thoughts because at the end of the day, you're the one that watched it. What did you think? Did it hold up? Yeah, I was actually...
1: Very surprised about how enjoyable the experience is. I think it was a, a solid action movie, Can man. you tell me really quick before... Like, sell me The Equalizer just out so of context. Okay, so Equalizer is based of a, on a 70s TV series, right? And it's basically this retired kind of like CIA government spook. And he basically just is trying to live his normal life, right? And local people in his community are... In trouble with one thing or another whether it's the mafia whether it's a local mob boss or whether it's a um a local gangster and he is that guy that is almost helping them but also has a bit of a revenge story himself mm-hmm. the closest comparison i can make in terms of the whole franchise can i can i guess real quick sure
0: is it like when a wrestler walks into the ring with a chair no,
1: <laughs> it's not it's not like that at all. The equalizer <laughs> it's i would say the comparison i can make is John Wick. Yeah. Keanu Reeves has had again a late career resurgence and it's become a bit of a cult following and it has its own fan base and it's very violent. The Equalizer is just like that, but I would say it's like the tier below, mm. you know. And I really enjoyed the first Equalizer. The second one, I thought they just missed the mark completely on it. And this third one, it I think it's the end of this trilogy and end of this chapter. Mm-hmm. And they do end on a high note. I will say that much. And it honestly speaks to both Denzel's box office ability and his star power. And him and Antoine Fuqua have been working together for a long, long time now. It feels like those two have just been like DiCaprio and Scorsese. They just working together mm-hmm. it's the number one movie this past weekend it did really really well at the box office and it's being both critically received well across cinema school and rotten tomatoes it's man i'm very very impressed and, and happy for everyone behind it yeah i had a good time watching it man awesome um just before we even get off that i'm curious because there are
0: a lot of franchises like this where mm. uh, a later in their career actor yeah. finds a new franchise that's action-based that doesn't yeah. really happen very often mm-hmm. but it has happened uh in Recent memory quite a few times. Yeah. So I'm thinking John Wick, I'm thinking Equalizer, I'm thinking Taken. Sure. Right? Basically, that Liam Neeson run of movies that basically. That yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. like
1: w- When you would look at those three, where are you ranking all of those? I would say it's John Wick, it would probably be The Equalizer, and then those Liam Neeson movies. Okay. They're yeah, great,
0: great. Okay, yeah. cool. Good to know. But yeah, yeah that's everything for The Equalizer. Uh, but the review we're doing this week, and it's a movie I was massively excited about going into it, we're talking about bottoms. Girls are terrified. It's perfect. They need this. Okay, no. They need, like, mace, maybe. We can't do that, okay? We'd be misleading them. Guys do that all the time, okay? That's the point of feminism. That's not the point of feminism. You also don't care about feminism. Your favorite show is Entourage. You're missing the point. I don't really think I am. We don't know how to fight. And I think this is a good idea, okay? There's a serious lack of female solidarity at this school. Not the point, Hazel. All right, gentlemen. So. Just to set it up, so yeah. uh, we are talking about Bottoms starring Rachel Sinnott uh, as like kind of the the reason we're kind of going into this because last year we watched Bodies, Bodies, Bodies and we walked out thinking, who is that? She's hilarious. Yeah. I want to see more of her. Mm-hmm. And then we started hearing rumors about like this movie called Bottoms and we're like, mm, I'm, I'm interested in this. Like I was very curious. I heard like things months ago, people saying like, it's kind of super badish. There's something about it that kind of reminds me super bad, and I was like, "All right, cool, you got me." Like, that's it. That's all I want to hear. I don't want to watch trailer. I don't want to know anything. So, going to this movie, I was massively excited, mm-hmm. so excited because one of my favorite things, like I mentioned at the start of the show, is watching a movie with uh, a bunch of people that are very enthusiastic, also about movies. Number one, but specifically when it's like a visceral experience, like a horror movie comedy horror. A com- like a horror movie or a comedy is my jam mm. like that cuz just because end of the day like it has a job it has mm. to succeed at that job because at the end of the day it's a bodily reaction that it's causing it's not something like you know oh is this a great movie is this five stars no it this is can you make me
1: laugh yeah we have spoken about this at length this like that is the ultimate you know measuring stick of success is like does it scare you or does it make you laugh if it doesn't do that job it has not worked for you and it's very
0: difficult because at the end of the day comedy is like this very difficult genre in general to kind of satisfy yeah especially like that fan base but Mm. like it's been a lull for a long time for like years and years and years every once in a while you'll see a comedy that's really good but it's like it's kind of like reminiscent right now of uh the the early 2000s where you'd you'd kind of just had no horror movies that were like literally any good Mm. and for me it wasn't until like the 2010s where we started seeing more of a resurgence and start seeing really interesting directors kind of go into the space and like make waves i've been waiting for this for so long for like a good comedy to come out that i can believe in and think like all right cool are we gonna start entering like a new boom period in comedy and uh i'm curious to see because like in a roundabout way that's the kind of the expectations that I had for Bottoms in a really
1: messed up way you definitely had way more expectations going in than I did I literally just knew about Rachel Senna and I knew that this was a movie that you definitely wanted to watch and review Mm -hmm. I was so down for it yes. and one thing I have to say well two things I want to say heading into it it was tough to get tickets like this didn't get the general super wide release we we couldn't watch this at two of our most like local theaters that we normally go Mm -hmm. to Uh, but all good we did end up finding a theater nearby uh, to get tickets for no problem the other thing is now in hindsight i do wish we'd watched it without absolute packed out full theater i
0: completely agree that's my only regret is that i didn't get to watch it at a time and a place that would have been full Mm. but you know what one thing i'm kind of realizing and uh it kind of is a bit of a spoiler but like i think this movie's gonna find a bigger audience as time goes on sure but having said that i'm really curious to see what did you think of the movie how did you feel about it? Oh, I had a great
1: time. Okay, great. I had a really, oh, this is going to be a positive review. <laughs> I was review. curious because I didn't know. I didn't know. Oh no, this is a positive review. Like I had a good time. Um, there are so many elements of Bottoms that reminded me of my fa- favorite high school satire movies from the 80s, 90s and 2000s. Yes. Like you can see the homage it's making, but at the same time, it's so fresh. Yeah. It's so current. Yes. and it takes massive swings and one of my biggest takeaways is even though the theater wasn't packed there were enough people in the movie theater where i'm like oh i'm hearing people laugh at things that i'm not laughing at yeah. i'm hearing you laugh at stuff that i'm not laughing at and yeah. then i'm laughing out loud at things that nobody else is laughing at yeah. so it literally has almost something for everyone in many ways yeah okay so first thing i want to say is because i
0: preempted it saying like you know i've heard a lot of like comparisons super bad I think it's a disservice to compare this movie to Superbad. It's not like Superbad. It's not Superbad at all. It's mm. very like I get if you were specifically making that comparison to like the Jonah Hill Michael Sierra comparison to Rachel Senna and Ayo, right? Like, them as a, a couple as, as a, a, team? a couple yeah. having like chemistry. Mm-hmm. I agree with that. Right, they right. Definitely have a similar chemistry there. Right. And uh, I think both of them are gonna end up being like just massive coming out of this. Mm-hmm. But uh, I think just comparing the movie to Superbad. I don't think that's the move. It's not. Mm. It's really not super badish. It's more absurd and super bad's more grounded than this mm-hmm. movie. Yeah, this is way over the top. It's it's so much fun <laughs> yeah. as a movie. Like it's yeah. it, it's its own little brand of like over exaggeration and being like over the top in a very specific way, right? Yeah. Like it's not like anything else, right? Yeah. Like, mind you, uh the grander execution of it is very over the top, but it's mm. filled with like very smart writing, yeah, very funny jokes, and like a really strong emotional base like i think all of those things were hit and i am like yeah it's not even that raunchy like uh, the way they have promoted it i think is going to be probably a
1: problem in retrospect because right. it feels like something it's not and sometimes that's like a marketing department of a studio like getting the material and be like oh how do we promote this now yeah but then again it's, yeah. this is
0: my own weird way sure. of like getting excited about movies because i'm not watching trailers yeah how that kind of stuff is going down but like no matter what it's interesting that I, I walked into this movie having these ridiculous expectations and sure. I still walked out being like, that was freaking hilarious. Yeah,
1: I, like, like I said, I feel like it's current and nostalgic yes, yes, at yes. the same time without making those like direct movie comparisons. Yeah. And I also feel like they've done things that we've seen other movies do is take the the stere- the high school stereotype moments, whether it's the jock or the cheerleader or the setting like a football game, yeah. but they've spun it in their own way. Yeah. And that's why I feel like it feels so fresh. Yeah, you know, okay, so it
0: kind of... Uh, the comparison i would make is uh i can make a comparison to so many movies by mm-hmm. the way it, it's just like you said like there are so many references that yeah. feel like like old school nostalgic feeling yeah. movies that i've seen before but when you think of like more recent comedies that have worked really really well i think of like 21 jump street that was a really fantastic like exploration into modern high school kind of dynamics that feel very different from like super bad or even like ferris bueller or anything like that but then it's also a body cop movie but at the same time like the 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 trueness of like that high school and youth experience is still the same like everybody still wants to be cool everybody still wants to be popular everybody still feels excluded Mm. like those things are going to be true no matter what right Mm. and like In this movie, it's still kind of showed, even though it, like, completely breaks ground on so many new areas for comedy, I think. At the end of the day, being popular is still, like, the most important thing in the world, Mm -hmm. right? And, like, I think that, number one, just kind of shows as much as, like, stuff changes, like, stuff still stays the same. And I feel still feel like, you know, at the end of the day as a society, like, that's never going to change. As much as we, like, pretend to, like, act like, right, cool, so this generation is, like, very punk and, Mm -hmm. like, we anti-establishment but like low-key you still want to be loved and find like an, an audience that loves you yeah and like like you know what i mean like even depending on the genre depending on wherever you at the end of the day it seems like everybody just wants to be like popular yeah right and that is a trueness that still holds through and i think what this movie does is it took the idea of that and took us on this very different journey yeah i i was watching this and i was like oh, yeah, there's a fight club involved in this movie. Like, I forgot that even existed. And, like, there were so many different things because, like... Okay, so I want to get into uh, a few of the performances and all that kind of stuff. Sure, sure. I want to start off with Ayo, right, Mm -hmm. as Josie, because Mm -hmm. I was thrown off at the start of the movie with kind of her little monologue at the start right right did right did
1: that hit you the same way no i thought it was fine i don't i mean didn't like move me in any one way or another i was just was like okay i'm in the movie i'm gonna get set up for it it's, yeah. it's a little good i you know what it was because she went so extreme right at the right. top yeah
0: but it established the character really really well too, yeah 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 right and like this is the other part of not watching trailers because i had a certain expectation in my head yeah but then after watching it, it feels like a great introduction into like how absurd this movie is yeah and uh we got to follow along with like everything that was gonna go on and uh, again, then we also get introduced to Rachel and I think uh, we kind of got proven really right (laughs) being excited to see her movie. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because she
1: is really great in this movie. Like, it's just tremendous. In my opinion? A force. Yeah. I I think she is the driving force of the entire movie. She's she's acting. She has a writing credit for the script. She has, has produced this movie. I feel like Rachel Senna is the reason this movie is what it is. Yeah. Yes, you have a director and a great cast that will help contribute it. But in many ways, this is Rachel's vision. Yeah. both behind the camera and on screen. And I think it's a massive testament to someone like her who's got a, a comic and a comedic background, stand-up background, to come in and be like, okay, cool, I'm going to make the kind of movie I want to make. It's been supported. And I feel like this is the beginning of a big, big run for I, her. I agree. And this is the biggest comparison I'll make super Bad. She feels like Jonah Hill mm.
0: in the same sense of like, that's where she he was in his career. yeah, And he, he went and took off right. in completely different ways than we expected. I'm not expecting her to be in like a Scorsese film tomorrow. But- she obviously has proven that she is a tremendous creator and an actor Yes, so she is not only able to create but she's able to execute at the highest level and she's so charismatic
1: and like all these things like I'm a fan Yeah, I'm a huge fan of hers going forward also like I was watching this movie I'm like this would have been an incredible film to just be a part of the production could you imagine how much fun they were having when you read the script and you're like oh we're about to go into a day we're gonna like stab and kill all these like NFL NFL players like high school football players in the field like man like there is so many things going it's so extreme in so many different ways but you're right the movie just sets you up on that tone yeah and it doesn't let up at all not at all it keeps escalating yeah like it's, it's pretty crazy To i was getting pops in the final act of the movie yeah. that i wasn't expecting i
0: didn't expect anybody
1: to die <laughs> like, yeah. i didn't expect that to happen not in the way that they show absolutely. it yes, yes, <laughs> yes,
0: absolutely and especially like it was hilarious for everyone to be like yeah cheer <laughs> afterwards yeah. i'm like what I'm so curious though because they also had kind of the opposite of them, their their love interest with Havana Rose Lou as Isabel. I'm curious because at the end of the day, like there are a lot of like other supporting characters, mm-hmm. but uh, I feel like it's it's what is interesting to me about them, those characters specifically, is that in a movie that is exploring like same sex relationships, yep, right, and exploring it in a high school setting and without making that like the point of the movie you know what I mean like there is there are gay characters but it's never it's not the point of the movie it's funny though because at the end of the day they're still the hot girls yeah all right like like it still follows a lot of those cliches but like but like in terms of attractiveness it's like they still went for like the super hot chicks right that's an interesting choice to make as a movie kind of still telling that like typical
1: high school experience yeah I was thinking about this uh, the other day. You know how, and we even opened our podcast talking about this. So Barbie, obviously number one movie of the year, right? And a big thing about Barbie is, okay, it's female-led with Margot Robbie in the titular character. You know, uh, Gretel Gerwig, you know, getting her flowers as this female director with all the critical acclaim and all the money it's making – Bottoms is very much coming from the female experience and the female voice, both in terms of cast and mm-hmm. also the director, Emma Silman, And also it's been produced and written by Rachel and Emma together. Like that is an incredible story. And it's a high school movie. How many times have we gone and watched high school movies over the last 30, 40 years? And it's always from the guy's perspective. Yeah. And it's always about the high school testosterone male. Yeah. You know, having this is the female perspective, but, but it's in a, in, a, in a modern, fresh, and also for me normalized way. You know what though? The difference,
0: uh, the the really the biggest point I'm trying to make is that it's not a bunch of guys being like horny dudes going after girls. Mm. It's a bunch of girls being horny girls, yeah, going after girls, which we don't ever see. We exactly we never yeah. get that and perspective. I, I really love that. To yeah, be honest. yeah, yeah. And not only that, but like this. There's so many things that happen in this movie that are just absolutely like the most relatable things. At the end of the day, a single dude, like hearing this stuff, I'll just, I'll catch like little dating things that I think are just absolutely hilarious. One thing Isabelle said that made me laugh the most in the entire movie yeah. is when she goes, my love language, it, my love language is when guys will kill someone for me. The, as crazy as that sounds... That is one of the most sharply well-written jokes I've ever heard mm-hmm. because I can relate to it so much. Right. I've heard girls say absurd things like this. Right. This is not... And in the past two weeks, <laughs> all right? I am not talking about some crazy new situations or from the past or whatever. This stuff is still... It, it's kind of crazy how people talk right. um, about dating. It's, it's yeah. really, really wild. But it's crazy because they captured it so, so well. Mm-hmm. Even, like, the idea of the Hazel character mm. being straight and, like having, like, the idea of, like, unrequited love for, for Rachel Sena. Like, even though, like, for her, like, was she actually in love with her? Like, did she actually have some infatuation? Is she just horny? Like, what is the situation that's happened? I right. love that they explored the the different ideas of that. Yeah. Right? Okay, next shout-out I really want to give, and I think the biggest shout-out comedically, is uh, Marshawn Lynch <laughs> as Mr. G.
1: I trusted you two, and y'all exploited my solidarity. I played the role of an amazing ally Is this about the time I said Amelia Earhart was a fake hero? Because it's true. Many a guy fly planes without crashing, but you never hear about them, and then it's like,
0: it's so hard to
1: be a girl. What a gangster. <laughs> Unexpected. I had no idea that A, he was in the movie. Yeah. I, I'm not even the biggest NFL fan, but I know yeah. who Marshawn Lynch is. Of course, yeah. Right?
0: So this and I've I'm, seen him in comedies before. Like, I've seen him in, like, Brooklyn Nine-Nine. Right. Like, he's done a little bit of comedic acting in the
1: past. Yeah. But I was blown away by how good he was. May Arguably, maybe the iconic character of the entire film in terms of, like, performances that people are going to remember. Yes. Like, an NFL player going into a movie like this. Yeah. Is this is a small indie comedy. This is not a big budget thing that's gonna get the widest of releases, man. And you wanna hear the craziest thing? Apparently,
0: he improvised most of his lines. And not only that, but he took the role, this is a quote, right? Okay, he says to rewrite one of his mistakes with how he handled his sister coming out as a lesbian. He says, I didn't handle it right. As a sixteen-year-old boy, I didn't handle it the way I feel I probably should have. I told her
1: it was giving me an opportunity to correct my wrongs. Wow. That's That's huge, man. And I love the fact that he just said it like that. Yeah. Open, really honest about his personal life experience to make that the decision of why you accepted the role in this movie. Yeah. And then you give the performance that he gives and he ad libbed most of it. Yeah. That's insane, man. And this guy, like, at the end of the day,
0: it's this is what it's about. It's the idea of, like, all right, cool. He's been wrong and stupid in the past, but he's like recognizes. That in, in current times, like his thoughts of how he feels about things now are not the same way he feels when he, when he was a dumb kid.
1: I think that's a beautiful thing because when you're a teenager, you obviously make a bunch of mistakes. You're, you know your overall worldview hasn't fully developed. It's an echo chamber. hundred percent. You're growing up in your high school. All yeah. your high school
0: friends are stupid. So you're stupid too.
1: But. How many people just latch onto that and that's who they are for the rest of their lives? To be able to do a course correction personally and then obviously make that into a professional decision and say, this is exactly why I decided to do this. I think that's huge, man. Yeah,
0: okay. Also, big shout out to, you mentioned Emma Seligman before uh, as the director. This movie is just so ridiculous. I can't wait to check out what else she does. right? Right. At the end of the day, like, Having a comedic director or a director that's willing to go on a limb for comedy. Yeah. Like that's so rare. And we don't have a lot of them. Like I'm curious to see where
1: she kind of ends up after this, because this really does feel like the beginning of something. Yeah. You know how you have always talked about like there's always these uh, comedic kind of like groups. Pockets. Yeah. And they kind of just like make their movies and they keep working with each other. Yeah. And, like the Apatow group. Yeah. Like the
0: the Zoolander group. Like right. All these people, like they are pockets of people and they stuck together and they made comedies. Yeah. You know what? I can see that happening with Rachel Absolutely. and Emma and all these people. <laughs> okay, so the other thought I have with that is that is one thought of mine as well. Mm. Like, okay, maybe this is like a new group that'll make like really funny movies for the next couple of years. Right. Or maybe somebody breaks out. Like, who do you think you could see coming out as like an undeniable movie star from this group? Because I could see a lot of them doing it. I have no
1: idea. But like, let's say you had to put like you like chips a, on the table, and a roulette. Yeah. Let's see what happens. It has to be Rachel Sennot, man. Yeah. Like, I, like, I know you said, oh, I don't know if she's going to be in a, in a Scorsese movie like Jonah Hill. Why the fuck not? Yeah, why not? <laughs> like, Why not? Why not? I, I feel like she's so young, right? And I feel like she's already f- like flexed so much creativity, yeah. both in front of and behind the camera, yeah. that I think she's going to be a powerhouse in the next decade. It's interesting because
0: Rachel, Ayo, Adebiri, uh Ruby, Cruz- I feel like any one of these people, even Kaya Gerber as Brittany, mm. like uh, one of these people, Kaya Gerber was tremendous. I think she's the one that I'm confusing with Rachel Cruz. But uh, yeah, regardless, she she is absolutely tremendous as well. And I'm curious to see who ends up being like a big star coming out of this because mm-hmm. there always happens, right? Like yeah. when there is a cult comedy or a cult movie that just finds a new
1: audience somebody gets plucked out and they become like a massive star here's the thing last year we, we were so you know pleasantly surprised with bodies 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 that the hook for going to bottoms at least for me when you told me about it was oh Rachel Senuts in the movie Yeah, in let's go next year what is Rachel Sennett's drop yeah like it's a it's a must watch that weekend like whenever right, yeah. it, whatever she's working on right now I'm in I'm all the way in on this and the weird thing with the strike and like
0: it's a weird consequence of, of what's gonna happen with the strike like mm. it's a side effect really because right. like At the end of the day, there's going to be, like, a lot of actors that kind of are waiting. And, like, you know, if they don't have a movie ready in the chamber right now, they're not going to have a movie for next year. Right. And then you get cooled down, and then what? Mm. Right? At the end of the day, there's so much momentum that's going to interrupt it right now. It's really unfortunate on all sides. Because, like, studios should recognize, like, yo, we are... (laughs) <laughs> like, what are we gonna do for 2024? What are we gonna do for 2025? I we know. are really messing this up right now. Yeah, yeah. Hopefully, they come to an agreement shortly. But let's get into our categories. I'm so curious to see where we ended up with this mm-hmm. uh, best character. I went with Rachel Sennott. I know that's gonna be the same for you. Yep, but I'm yep, yep. Yeah, hundred yeah. percent. Rachel Sennott. PJ,
1: tremendous, the star. Yeah. Uh, what about best scene though? Oh, for me, it was when the the crew get together to blow up Jeff's car. Oh I, feel, I feel like as an overall scene, yes. like the setup, how it plays out, and yeah. then even when the car does blow up as an overall scene from from the script to the execution on camera I thought it was flawless man yeah honestly I'm, I'm
0: genuinely having a really hard time that is absolutely one of them yeah um, I feel like the f- closing scene with the the football players dying is absolutely one it, just in terms of like what I laughed at mm. those are some of the funniest moments yeah even the the moment when they actually start the fight club yeah and Marshawn Lynch is like no 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 we're not doing this <laughs> uh, 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 all that stuff it's just a hilarious scenes but I'm so curious to see uh, as far as star rating goes, zero being the worst, five being the best. Where'd you end up with this one?
1: Uh, this is actually one of the, the funniest movies I've seen in the theater for for quite some time. Yeah. I went with a 4.25 out yes. of five. Um, I encourage and implore people uh, to find a local theater that's playing bottoms and watching the theater if you can. And hopefully with a packed audience, man.
0: Yeah. Go out of your way Friday night. Make sure you do it. For me, I went with 4.5. Okay. One of the best comedies in recent memory. I genuinely can't wait to rewatch this. Yeah, yeah. I'm looking forward to rewatching as soon as possible. I want to find a theater that has a lot of people in it because I want to watch it with as big of a crowd as I can find. I feel like this is going to be one of those movies I watch a million times,
1: to mm. be honest. Like, And just knowing that it hasn't got the widest release, I feel like it will find its audience yes. later on. Yeah. On streaming platforms, people are going to start to recommend it, or you should watch Bottoms. Yeah. It's, it's being released a week before kids go back to school. So yes. I wonder if the next three or four weeks, it gets a bit of pickup in Maybe, that. Maybe, yeah. yeah. Know,
0: honestly, August is like a tough time for movies in general, because yeah. a lot of people just don't go out and watch movies in August. But yeah. like, it feels like... Uh, there is a history of like Superbad came out in August. Like, Mm. like so many amazing comedies came out at this time. So you never know when like long term they actually do find an audience, but you know, at the same time, when we talk about the idea of like a comedic resurgence and like, hopefully there'll be a bunch of movies, you know, we we have to remember that Superbad was like the fourth movie in like that run. Right. Right. We already had like 40 little Virgin and knocked up and all these other like freaking geeks. And like everyone's introduced to these people. This is going to be a new introduction for a lot of people. So I feel like we are in that space, but it's down the line, right? Where maybe this might movie might not be the biggest success, but I for sure see like a massive success in a a comedy in the next year or two years, whatever that is. But I think along with like Barbie, this summer really had like a one-two punch of like amazing like meta takes on society that obviously really landed really well with Barbie, and I think long term we'll find a place for bottoms, but. This market, like I said, something new, doesn't have to fit the package that we think it is. And yep. uh, those are two of the funniest movies that came out in this entire year. Yeah, That's number one. I think that's tremendous. Who would have seen that coming in the form of these two movies? Yep. Never. Um, and I've been saying this, like I said, comedy is cyclical. The film industry is cyclical. It's going to happen. The day in the sun is coming. Yeah, Just get ready for our people because we're about to laugh a lot.
1: Yeah, I, I think the biggest kind of like um, closing statement I can make on bottoms is just uh how fresh it all felt like yeah. i said like when you take a, a like think about when you're writing a movie like this oh okay it's about high school kids high school setting it's about you know being young and horny and exploring relationships like in a context in a in a, in a bubble we've seen movies that have kind of like i guess nail down that kind of perspective but it's always been from the guy's perspective Mm -hmm. and to see what they did and also make it so funny and also make it so over the top and satirical in places i thought the execution was great
0: man. yeah i think that's the biggest thing like at the end of the day it's the execution that's a big part of this because you could talk about like a million movies that have hit certain boxes that this movie checks yeah but it's not until the entire presentation is done to this degree yeah the execution could really be like commended at this level.
1: It's almost like if you were to kind of like um, group all those type of movies yeah. into its own genre, this just moved it forward. Yes, 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 exactly.
0: But yeah, that's everything for Bottoms. Absolutely tremendous movie. Go out of your way. Check it out if you haven't already. I mean, we've spoiled everything, so I don't know. But uh, gentlemen, let's get into our last segment of the
1: show. Let's get wrecked. Our weekly recommendation. Can I get Sanders' pick? Oh, this was like maybe the easiest recommendation I can make. And uh, I agree. I don't feel like bottoms should get the direct comparison to Superbad, even though i feel like that's a low hanging fruit a lot of people go to but that being said i am still going to recommend Superbad Fair. from 2007 i think it's a, a generational comedy classic that launched the careers of jonah hill and michael Serra and a bunch of others and it's packed with so many memorable scenes and lines and moments that are still quoted to this day i feel like in a word this is like one of the goated movies of this generation yeah i completely agree like Superbad is like
0: such a seminal movie for me like it's like a part of who i am as a human <laughs> being you know what yeah. i mean and i i think if you were expecting super bad with bottoms you might be thrown off by how absurd it is because again like i said super very grounded yeah but this is not like an, an unfamiliar feeling for me right i remember being so mind blown by super and thinking i want more of that please give me more of that and that set me on like this journey where i watched a bunch of movies that all these people were involved in michael cera christopher mintz plus jonah hill I've been a fan of these people for so, so long and just watching all these movies. And after Super Bad, Michael Sarah made a couple of hilarious movies. And like the, the like I said, I, I mentioned before that like Bottoms really feels more like the beginning. Scott Pilgrim, for right? Me, okay. Right. Like a little bit more like that kind of movie sure. where it's very absurd. Yeah. But at the same time, like, first off, I've already re- recommended Scott Pilgrim. All right. And like, again, it doesn't fit so much Super Bad for me, but there is like an element of like weirdness. Mm. And one movie that really came to mind was when Michael Cera became like a leading man. Again, he's in Superbad. He's in, he's in Scott Pilgrim and these are pretty successful movies. But then there was this really weird movie from out of left that just didn't find the success. And it's this movie called Youth and Revolt, right? And it's Michael Cera at his child peak. You know what I mean? Like being a kid uh, or a young adult at this time, but, like, nothing is weirder in his catalog than Youth in Revolt. Mm. I promise you, it's just very weird. It's Michael Cera at his most ridiculous. And, unfortunately, I think it's one of those movies where it just works best when you know as little as possible. So, right. go out of your way. Check out Youth in Revolt. It's tremendous. It really has a fantastic cast. Like, uh, Ray Liotta's in it, Justin Long, and a bunch of other people. It's really tremendous. Go out of your way. Check it out. Youth in Revolt.
1: But... That's everything for this week. John, where can everybody find us? We are at Screen Off Script on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, and YouTube Shorts. Hey, listen, if you enjoyed our review of Bottoms, did you watch it this weekend? Let us know in the comments. Did you agree, disagree with our take? But also, please do drop us a review if you can on Spotify, on Apple Podcasts. It really does help us get more people to check out the show and find new audiences.
0: Awesome. Thank you for checking us out this week, guys. Take care.